0: Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to The Solar Panel, The Phoenix
1: Sun Show. All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for logging on or listening to or whatever you're doing on The Solar Panel. We are here without Tim Tompkins this week. It's just going to be Greg and I. And Greg, though, is for some reason looking a lot like Jonah Hill. Tell us why,
0: because I lost your stupid bet And I'm paying it off on the show for you I, I'll, I'll take a step back So the YouTube video viewers Can actually see the whole thing So,
1: Alright For those not paying attention You've got <laughs> Yep you, You've got uh, Greg dressed Just like Jonah Hill In that one random picture um, I'll be sure to get a picture of this so that I can post it next to the Jonah Hill one, and we'll see how close you got.
0: Yeah, I even wearing the business pants, same same black jersey, ill fitting just like Jonah's. I, I don't uh, see
1: the arm ink though. I, you were supposed to get henna tattoos just I, to make that.
0: I wasn't going that far. <laughs> Sorry,
1: I th- you're lucky. You're lucky. I'm hu- humiliating myself this month. It's too bad this isn't like a Renaissance Fair time because you could have gone down there. And had them put henna tattoos all over your arms.
0: It's like ten minutes from my house too, so it, I yeah I could have
1: if it was running.
0: It it is. I just didn't care that much to uh, pay off the bet that well for you.
1: Oh, <laughs> now I feel jilted. You should.
0: I feel for like usual.
1: I feel like you almost didn't take it as as serious as the Suns didn't take it seriously to win some games either.
0: Hey, at least I showed up, Justin, uh, our, our friend. It didn't, it couldn't even show up to pay off his part of the
1: bet. So. Justin was supposed to be dressed in in pink curtains.
0: Yes, if you remember, uh, I, I was giving him a hard time about the curtains behind him. We were both so sure that the Suns wouldn't win five more games this season uh, when we uh, recorded that episode. That uh, that he, we both said we'd humiliate ourselves if they did. And,
1: we were close. This was, this was back. You were close. This was back when the Suns had only 11 wins on the season after, I don't know, about 60 games or so. And uh, you guys bet that there was no way. I said they would win at least five more games. You guys said no way. So you lost your bet. The Suns did win five instead. And, in fact, they won six games. And then they decided to rest everybody who helped win those games. And now they're going to lose out the season probably. Yep. Should we, let's have a new bet. There's eight games oh. left.
0: I can't humiliate myself any further than no, this. No, there's so eight games not? left.
1: It looks like uh they're probably going to wait out the rest of the season. TJ Warren might get one or two games uh so he can get his five three-point attempts and get his bonus. So I feel like he's just going to show up for one or two games. I feel like if, you know, if people can be signed off the street to, you know, to 10 days at the end of the year and stuff like that, it, why can't T.J. Warren come back and play okay if he's getting better on his ankle? Um, Tyler Johnson is walking around with no knee brace, no, no, nothing to, to hold his knee together or anything like that. But he's been out for two weeks. Uh, Kelly Oubre, they already put under the knife for his, his thumb sprain. And uh, uh, who else is missing? Oh, yeah, Josh Jackson had a really nasty fall on his ankle. Um, and he's out. So now the Suns basically have five rookies around Devin Booker, a guy from China and a guy who's who probably should have retired this past off season. That's that's what's in his rotation. So, given that, how many out of these last 8 games, let me tell you who they're playing, Greg. So I don't want you to <laughs> I don't want you to just punt this without even thinking about who they're playing over these last 8 games. And I want you to tell me how many you think they're going to win. All right. We can right. play we'll this game. One, we'll go one game at a time. So we have Monday. Uh, they're going to be at Utah. Loss. Wednesday, they host the Wizards with Trevor Ariza.
0: Potential. Eh, I'm going to give them a win
1: against the Wizards. All right. But- okay. The, a win against the Wizards. Okay. Uh, you've got Saturday then uh, home against Memphis.
0: Ah, uh, loss. I don't. I just. I they've always struggled with Memphis, so even even when they weren't bad. So I'm gonna go
1: loss. All right. Then you've got uh, April Fool's Day, Monday. April Fool's Day um, hosting the Cavaliers, who are right there uh, fighting for that bottom three record in the league
0: well because we're Suns fans and we understand how this goes they're going to get a win against the Cavs because it's the least convenient thing that you could do
1: <laughs> uh and then gosh another game against the Jazz Wednesday April 3rd a loss <laughs> okay then Friday April 5th against the New Orleans Pelicans uh They're out. Drew Holiday now. They're probably going to stop playing Anthony Davis at some point very soon.
0: Yeah, but they still want to uh, make up for that insane way the Suns won a few weeks ago. So I'm (laughs) going to give
1: unbelievable how the Suns won.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give it to the Pelicans because of uh, just the revenge factor on that one. So I think I have them down for two wins so
1: far. Wizards and Cavs. Two wins. Yep. And then they're at Houston. Big loss. And they're at Dallas. Uh <laughs> lo- lost
0: but I think Deandre Ayton has a monster game because uh he wants to prove himself against uh against Doncic. Yeah, so so we'll get uh we'll get something special from uh Deandre if they haven't already benched him and
1: uh and that'll be that. They'll lose so, still. So you have the Suns with two more wins. Yes, that would put them at 19 wins on the season. Okay, which is
0: still which is still putrid, and yet somehow we'll feel better about them than we did uh, at the end of last year.
1: So before this past uh, week, you know, the last episode, I thought the Suns were going to challenge to beat last year's win total of 21. Uh, Greg has them finishing two and six to finish with 19 wins. I'll put them <clears> – <throat> you know what? I think they're going to have three wins in there. I don't know which three. I think it will be a different three than either of us could pick. <laughs> um, but I think it will be three wins because there's just some winnable games. I mean, my gosh. <clears throat> you've got home against the Wizards who are playing out the season. you got yeah. Memphis who, who knows what kind of – it could be a 20-point loss. It could be a 20-point win. Uh, you've got the game against Cleveland. Same thing could be a twenty point loss could be a twenty point win um obviously, Utah is not going to be because they're fighting for every seed it's it's crazy they could finish with a four seed or a ninth seed Utah it's well, not nine. I think all the top eight are pretty pretty well set in the west so but you don't want to be the the team who has to play a first or second seed, so they're gonna be fighting for final position. New Orleans who knows who they're gonna play, who knows how um what's gonna happen. Houston also fighting for that same thing, just like Utah. And then Dallas just playing out that final game of the season. So it'll be just like starting the season where nobody expects anything from either team. And it's just the Doncic against Aiton show. And we'll see what happens there. So I I think they're going to get three wins out of that. It it just feels like they are. They'll get to 20. They'll get out of the teens. But they're not going to beat last year's record. I just at this point
0: I don't see how they get to three. I mean, I, yeah, they could have a, a great game, but I don't see them bringing back T.J. Warren for any reason. Nor do I see his agent wanting him to come back. And if I'm the Suns, I say to him point blank, "We're giving you that money. Like uh, the five you attempts, can't give him yeah. the money. What do you mean? Just yeah. give him the money. Give him the give him the bonus." I don't that, think you that, can. I think I think you can do anything you want because you're the ones that, that that control the purse string. So if you want to say you know we're giving you that money because you would have qualified for it, and we're not going to have you come back and and potentially injure yourself long, you know long term because you you're going to force yourself back to chuck up five three pointers. You, know, you you can make that happen. There's. There's no rule that says, but, uh, you know...
1: that. But that, what is, has what is TJ done for Robert Sarver that would make him want to give him money? I mean, Robert Sarver only gives away free money to people who give him something back.
0: That's not true. He uh, he gave away one time $10,000 to anybody that could hit a half-court shot during an all-employee meeting randomly. So if he's just... Yeah, if he's just feeling generous... If anybody hit the shot. Uh, two people actually hit the shot if I remember correctly. So I was not one of them. that yeah, day? on a on a whim. Uh, so if you catch him in the right mood, I'm pretty sure that's how. Uh. Ryan McDonough got his uh, second contract extension was on a on a whim like that too. So if oh, you catch him in the right felt mood, bad
1: about the goat shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well you know, uh, no, no, that's one thing I can tell you. Robert Sarver's never felt bad about anything, but he uh, he will be generous uh, from Our time case. to time. So if uh, if TJ catches him in the right mood, uh, I'd certainly do that. And if you're if your plans to deal him, the last thing you want is for him to come out and uh, and severely injure himself because he's trying to just get five three pointers hoisted up there, you know. So that's what I'd do. I I wouldn't. I don't expect to see him back at all. Uh, but don't you me-
1: think? Now this is, of course, you don't. I don't want TJ to get hurt further either. But don't you think he could move even better than Dirk Nowitzki, who, uh, forty years old and and actually made five of eight threes in one game last uh, Saturday night against Golden State?
0: Yeah, but Dirk's old age. I mean, that's different. That's not well. It feels uh, like yeah, a, you know he
1: could break a hip pretty easily.
0: Well, well, he could, but he's accepted that and he's retiring. So the Mavs don't care if he breaks <laughs> his hip. There's no uh, there's no value in uh, in trading a guy that's retired. So, uh, yeah, I. And I'm like we talked about before. I'm sure that the the Suns uh, are probably covering for something more bizarre that's going on with TJ, or that did go on with TJ, and and that's why he's been out so long. So I just I don't see him coming back, which probably means he'll play in all these final games because uh, I just said that out loud. But uh, I just I don't see the benefit of it. Uh, uh, right away. And if you look at this roster, it's Booker, Ayton, Bridges,
1: and a bunch of nothing really right now. Well, like I said, it's 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 you got Booker. You have yeah. literally five rookies. Five rookies who will play in any in every game from here on out. You have, uh it's possible he'll rotate out Eliakobo for Jamal Crawford. Who, uh, that's just a funny, uh, little trade off of, of <laughs> games right there. Cause Crawford just turned 39 this, this week. Uh, and Elliot Kobo is 21. So, I mean, Crawford could easily be half this roster's father, you know, in a, in a regular, in a regular situation, not even early pregnancy or anything like that. Um, so Jamal Crawford and trading off of Elia Kobo, but, but like, uh, uh, Saturday night against the Kings. The Suns played five rookies. Yeah, I- DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, DeAnthony, three of them, second rounders. I think Ray Spalding was a second rounder. Um, three of them, second rounders. And, and Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Ayton, their first year in the NBA as, as rookies, even though they were first rounders. It's just crazy to think you could actually, that this was a good roster to put together. I mean, I'm still looking back on this. I'm still going, how is it that Ryan McDonough thought this was a roster that could turn the corner a little bit and actually win some games?
0: Well, you, you're acting as if the fact that they're playing five rookies in this final stretch, like it's some shock. I mean, they've played four of them, um, major minutes all year. I mean, oh, I so know.
1: It's <laughs> just now, I, 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 I get it, but I guess I'm just frustrated. I, uh, I was getting excited by, by them actually playing regular NBA players uh, with Tyler Johnson and Kelly Oubre, uh, and uh, hoping TJ Warren might come back and finishing the season the right way, as Devin Booker put it. And I, I guess I'm just a little bit uh, frustrated. Hey, like, that like- we're right back where we started, which is a terrible, not a, not a terribly young rotation who just cannot be expected to play consistently for 48 minutes. Well, like Bane said, in *The Dark Knight Rises*, without hope, there's no
0: true despair. And I think uh, I think that sums up the last five years. Here is uh, you know, there's been some glimmer of hope in each of these little in these seasons, however small it is, and then the, that despair comes back pretty quick. And that's where where we're sitting. This is exactly like that. Uh, that win streak in December as well. You see a little bit of something, your, your hopes get up and then the, the, the losing comes back. And, This time, okay, it's acceptable. You understand it because Kelly Oubre and Tyler Johnson were two of the big reasons why the Suns were starting to win because they brought a tenacity. They brought an attitude. It it changed things because the rotation became more of an actual NBA rotation. Without those two guys, you see that they revert back to the same team that we saw before. And, I think if there was any doubt in the fact that the Suns needed to re-sign Kelly Oubre, since he's been out, that doubt should have been washed away completely. They should most certainly <clears> re-sign <throat> him because he has brought an energy, an attitude, and a, a passion that this roster lacks without him.
1: I really like the way Kelly Oubre plays because he plays with a, with a ferocity and a, and a constant high motor. Uh, that really that really is effective, even though his game is somewhat limited. He's not a great shooter. He's not a great rebounder. He's not a good passer at all. Um, but he plays hard-nosed defense and he makes scoring happen when the Suns need it. He scores when the Suns need it, and that's really important. Um, part of this, I wonder, is is would any player in their in, in their athletic peak look good on this team? Uh, you know, in their in their NBA prime, look good on this team? Because Tyler Johnson looked even like a difference maker.
0: No, but the the thing is, uh, with Ubre in particular, he's one of those guys that it's, it's infectious, right? What he does, what he what he brings to the court, uh, changes those around him, and that's not a, a quality that everybody has. I mean, take T.J. Warren for for example. T.J. can get his, he can score, but he's never been a guy that. That moves the needle with the rest of his team. He he's low energy. He's not not a guy that's going to bring passion. He's not going to fire you up. He's not going to do the things on the defensive end that are going to get your teammates involved. That what what makes Kelly Oubre look good on this roster is it's the fact that the Suns have been missing guys like that since they got rid of PJ Tucker. And you need guys like that on a roster. Uh, if you want to compete, and and that's why I paid, I would pay a premium for Kelly Oubre because he brings that. And and as much as I stand for Ryan McDonough, and and I and I like Ryan McDonough the man, I think he missed that part in putting together rosters. Was there's this human element, this thing that you can't quantify necessarily with numbers or even with the eye test sometimes uh until you see it in a prolonged period with guys in a specific locker room. And Cali Ubre does something to galvanize these guys, and that's what you need more of. And and what you usually lack when you have an extremely young roster like the Suns have had.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's true. His attitude is infectious. They they do get along. He's he's willing to even come up with nicknames and stuff for the guys. So I think that's pretty good. Uh definitely I think he'd be a very good teammate to bring back. And he should be considered one of one of the Sun's best players uh going into next season. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I just part of me is just wondering, I mean, would would anybody have looked really good? But you're right. The the things that actually Kelly Oubre brought to the table of, of teamwork and, and making the guys around him play better, helping the guys around him play better. Coming up in big moments, making shots when they needed to make them, uh, was was really helpful. And with Tyler Johnson, is really helpful having somebody who just didn't make turnovers at the point guard spot and actually got these guys into position to score. Um, <clears throat> and you know, he's not a gifted passer by any means, but he's also not a bad passer, and he's not a turnover machine. So Tyler Johnson, just by being a competent player, which is what we've been saying all year long. What well, we said even in October in September and then into November, December and all that was all you need is somebody who's not going to make dumb mistakes out there at point guarding. And Tyler Johnson is the epitome of that guy. He didn't shoot well uh, when he was in the lineup for the Suns. He didn't pass that well. He had average maybe four assists a game in 30 minutes, which isn't great for a point guard. Uh, but he just didn't turn the ball over and he didn't make dumb plays. He didn't have backcourt turnovers. He didn't have um, uh, situations where he put guys in a bad position to score and forced them to try to score with two seconds left on the clock. Uh, and and all of a sudden, the Suns were a competitive team. So it's just sad to see now toward this last 8, 10 games of the season how 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 unlikely it is that the Suns are going to see a competent point guard play again for the rest of this season.
0: Well, then Tyler Johnson, I think, is more of a he looked good because of what he was compared against right i don't think tyler johnson is the answer the way kelly Oubre could be the answer uh for for certain elements for this team moving forward i think tyler johnson is like the the person that you hook up with when you're lonely it beats having nobody But it probably isn't who you want to be with long term. I, I think that's what we're looking at hey, with Tyler Johnson. I uh, think it's just
1: a big credit that we're not calling him Moe's. I mean, that we have <laughs> enough respect for him that we're not going to cut him down at <laughs> every chance we have. Hey, he's not—he's not a shrewd,
0: all right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I—I—I so, uh, I mean, I, I was more surprised by Tyler Johnson than I thought I was going to be. I mean. I, I was the one calling him over and, and giving him or uh, uh, crap crap uh, crap early on, but uh, he did help uh, stabilize things but I just I think he's more of a mirage than Ubre will be. And honestly, I have no problem with them shutting down Kelly Oubre. Uh I know you you think it's a, a sign of of tanking. A lot of people do for me it, as long as they had the discussion with him and said, look, we want you here long term, uh, and, and we want you to be part of this franchise, and we're prepared to make that happen in the offseason, but we want to ensure that this thumb does not become a long-term problem, so let's just get it taken care of now. Uh, I think that's smart business if they did that. Now, the chances that they actually did that, probably 25% yes, seventy. 70- five percent no with the with the history of communication the organization has had Uh, you know but if if i were thinking long term that's what i would i would have done with him because the last thing you need is some some minor thumb injury to turn into some major thing with uh, 10 games left in a meaningless season and then you uh you potentially screw up a
1: long-term investment as well well, yeah, of course. I don't want to have any long-term investments either. Um, uh, excuse me. I don't want to screw up any long-term investments either. If they're going to give him a long-term contract, and and you're ruining his thumb his, on his shooting hand, I get that. But I just feel like it's just frustrating, right? We're four seasons in now to um, surprisingly long, extended, minor, somewhat minor injuries that. Uh, that guys would be able to play through if the games actually meant something,
0: well, you know, you know who if I'm him, I this bothers me the most is Aaron Nelson because and that training staff because think about that hurts your reputation as a training staff. I mean, it looks yeah. it looks bad. I mean, most of the league, I think, understands the reality of the situation. but but, I mean, that's tough because you go from one of the most vaunted training staffs to, a group that now, uh, you know, a bunch of your players miss extended time for mysterious things that nobody can answer. You know, I think that's uh, that's difficult for them. But I don't I'm in the minority here, I think. But I don't care at this point if they tank because it, it, the reality is winning a handful more games. The end of this season isn't going to mean anything going into mm-hmm. next year. And isn't going to mean anything, uh, you know. Overall, so you might as well uh, make sure that you're solidified in that top three uh, to to have a shot at uh, what is a two-player draft. Like, that that's if you we've had to suffer through all this losing anyways this year. Uh, if if there's not something at the end of that tunnel. And and we just we just climbed through that sewer drain to realize we're still stuck in the prison instead of actually making it out. Uh, I'm I'm okay with 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 losing a little bit more the rest of the way to ensure that it's I and it's not as blatant as when they shut down Eric Bledsoe. It's not it's not like well, they that's
1: to, so that's the thing you have to avoid, right? You have to make sure you avoid pissing off Devin Booker to the point where not that he's not going to demand a trade. He's not. He's in, He's going to be in his first year of his max, max extension. He'll, uh, at worst case, the worst possible case, in my opinion, the worst possible case will be Anthony Davis, where he waits three years or four years into this extension and then demands a trade. So I'm not saying that Devin Booker would have any outcome this year that where he would demand a trade. He's got no agent issues with trying to get him an extension. He's got no reason business-wise to to force any kind of issue of of leaving the team like Eric Bledsoe was in. Um, And and he's not being sat down. Like Eric Bledsoe was actually asked to to not play when he was healthy. No one's asking Devin Booker to do that too. But you are asking Devin Booker to play with five rookies and a couple of guys who have three, five rookies and three guys who may, who probably won't even be in the league next year. Um, if I mean Jamal Crawford, uh, uh, Jimmer Fredette, and Dragon Bender, it's very likely those guys are not going to be in the league next year. I mean Bender probably will sign on with somebody. I guess uh, he's 21 years old. Obviously, he's seven foot, uh, but it'll be a late signing. It won't be like early days of free agency signing. That's for sure. Um, he's, he's not even nearly as good as Alex Len and Alex Len took until late July to sign a two-year contract with Atlanta. Uh, so you've got three guys who wouldn't be in any other team's rotation, five rookies, three of which wouldn't be in any other team's rotation. Uh, his, his second most, the second most reliable, consistent player right now in the rotation is Rishon Holmes. And Rishon Holmes is a 20-minute-a-game-off-the-bench guy who Greg has already said he wouldn't re-sign.
0: <laughs> to huge money.
1: God, no, you No, I know, I know. God, uh, I you wouldn't guys give screw him huge me huge But definitely you'd bring him back for sure. And he's a guy who deserves 15, 20 minutes or maybe even more. But there's not one one non-rookie on this roster besides Devin Booker who deserves 20-plus minutes on another team's rotation Right now,
0: look, I I understand Devin Booker's early season frustration, and
1: when you look at
0: it and you go, crap, this was this was almost built to fail when uh, well, when you well, well, I mean, I don't think anybody built this roster, whether it was Ryan McDonough going into the season or James Jones after he took it over going, man, we really want to lose. We no, that's to be true. the worst that's team true. in the NBA.
1: like it wasn't purposely built. So tell me, <laughs> tell me what's worse, a roster that's not purposely built to fail or a roster that's built to fail?
0: Either. I mean, to
1: me, a roster not purposely built to fail that actually fails miserably is worse because that means that there's there's no redeeming qualities in that front office right now.
0: Oh, I don't disagree, and that's why... Ryan McDonough. Well, that's not why Ryan McDonough doesn't have a job. That's why he deserved. No, not having a job. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was tough to make the argument that he should that that, that firing him wasn't. Right. Yeah, uh, but uh, James Jones has made a few nice moves, but hasn't fixed the the issue necessarily. I'm not sure he even wants to in the long run. Uh, it, but uh, so yeah, it's it's worse that you built something not intending. For it to fail, but my, but my point was, I understand Devin Booker's early season frustration. But by this point, if I'm him, I have to understand the realities of it uh, and and understand. Okay, they didn't fake a Kelly Oubre injury. The thumb was legitimately injured and needed no, surgery. He... They may have expedited the timetable in which he needed it because if they were fighting for a playoff spot, he'd probably still be playing. But. Uh, if I look at it right now and I'm Devin Booker, I go getting Zion or, or job Morant, uh, you know or at least having one of those two picks to be able to trade it because those one of those guys is available is much more beneficial to me long term than than getting a handful of wins here at the end of the season. And I think he's smart enough to, to get that. Where he's going to be frustrated is if they go into next season and and the prognosis and the outlook, isn't any better if they haven't surrounded him with with more talent and more not just draft talent but but young uh, uh veteran you know that 25 28 range kind of player that, that that has been around but is still young if they don't surround him with those kind of guys that's when i start worrying that the frustration really sets in i mean this year yes it's frustrating but he has 158 million dollars to go rest his head on, that he knows, uh, you know, he, he he has in the bank now, and that okay, we had one more losing season. Uh, I I my patience is completely uh, run out now. But the proof has to come next year, going into next season. I don't think these last few games are going to be enough to uh, break Devin Booker <laughs> mentally with it. Uh, but it will add up because it, it means, okay, he he accepts it for the end of this season. But if they go into next season and things don't look any better, uh, it starts to snowball. It becomes an issue. But I don't think
1: the end of the season is enough to push him over the edge. All right. So let's take a look at the last 13 games. Last 13 games, the Suns are now, I don't know, six and seven, something like that. Because they just have that six wins in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the last three or four of which have been without both Ubre and Tyler Johnson. So if you actually <coughs> five, I guess it is uh, or six, because there's only OK. Uh, let me let me straighten out my thoughts here. <laughs> I'm looking at the, the Suns best lineups over the past 13 games uh, when they started their six wins streak here. We're gonna call it a streak. And this is this is Suns fandom in a nutshell right here. Uh this is only six wins in 13 games, but we're gonna call this like a, a panacea, you know, the highlights of the last couple of seasons here. Um the Suns top six of the Suns top one, two, three, six lineups of, of minutes played of, of five man lineups. Are all net positive except for the most common one that that uh, got the most minutes, seventy-seven minutes, over the last thirteen games. So I guess what I'm saying is here, if the Suns can get the right lineups on the floor, they can win games. But the problem is they haven't been able to get the right lineups in the floor over the last thirteen games. Where they have gone six and seven, they haven't had a single five-man lineup that's been that played together of their top minutes team. No, they're not a single five man lineup that played in more than eight of those 13 games together for any minutes. And those two uh, lineups um, had you know, alternated. Basically they were Tyler Johnson, Kelly Oubre, Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton. One of those top lineups or one of those top three lineups has Dragan Bender as the fifth. Another has Mikell Bridges as the fifth. And a third has Josh Jackson as the fifth. Which one do you think was the least, uh, Greg, which one do you think was the least effective um, as the fifth with Tyler, Kelly, Devin, and DeAndre? Was it Bender, was it Bridges, or was it Jackson? Jackson. You are actually wrong, my friend. Wow. Josh and it- Bender was a minus four per 36 minutes.
0: See that shouldn't surprise. I I thought you were pu- pulling a trick question because the instinct was Bender because everybody Actually, assumes Jackson's he's been, the worst. I,
1: I would have guessed Jackson too because I think Jackson when I see him out there playing and and God rest his ankle's soul. Um, but you know when I see him out there playing, I kind of wish he wasn't. So I'm I'm a little surprised that that they weren't better, but they are a plus six per thirty six minutes with Josh Jackson as the fifth. And they are a plus twenty five per thirty six minutes with Mikel bridges as the fifth, and well, that's I... a forty eight minutes of total play, so obviously it's a little bit of a small sample size, but still, over the course of eight games, they were a plus twenty five per thirty six minutes with the five man that included in mikel bridges well,
0: that doesn't surprise me I mean Mckel bridges even with his limited minutes early in the years and the top five uh, and total steals in the league. I mean, we're not talking rookies. We're talking in the league. And I'm pretty sure uh, since January, or maybe it's the All-Star break, he leads in in steals per game. So, like, it doesn't surprise me that uh, lineups are extremely effective with Mikael Bridges on the floor because he does the little things. He's another guy uh, like Ubre that will – you may not always see it in the stat sheet, but the little things start to add up. And, and I'm excited about about what they got in Mikael Bridges. Would I prefer Shea Gildress Alexander? Probably because you don't have a point guard. Mm. But but I would. Uh, I think I'd rather what Bridges have Bender Bridges.
1: myself. And I have to admit, I haven't watched enough of Shea, obviously compared to Mikael. Um, but I, I will tell you that there are just so many things about Mikael Bridges that are that are just growing every month. I mean. Uh, if you watch, if you look at Mike V. Hill's uh, Twitter account, uh, he he is one of the hosts of the, which one is it? Timeline. Timeline podcast. Um, he posted like a series of a half a dozen little clips of Mikkel Bridges on Saturday night against Sacramento. And the range of skills that he's got offensively that he's just not showing right now because he's not the, the one of the lead getters of of points on the team. Uh, And we might see more as the rest of the season plays out since they are playing five rookies. Um, But Mikkel was was showing like a a lot, an array of different offensive skills that he was not showing earlier in the season. And we've seen the assists. Uh, He's getting three, four, five, seven assists a night, which is really good. Uh, He's really good at pocket passes. Um, his only turnovers that he has is when his teammates weren't ready for his pass <laughs> uh, and they let it go off their off their hands or whatever. Um, he's uh, he's been very impressive. And I feel like he is going to be a really good third or fourth option on a really good team uh, in the very near future. So I'm very excited. I am real excited about Mikel Bridges.
0: So so you're saying he's going to get traded. Because he's going to be a really good option on a really good team shortly. Because I'm no, not seeing I mean, a really good team, man. He'll probably end soon.
1: up being a really good third or fourth option on a bad Suns team in the near future. Okay. Uh, but uh, he could also be a good third or fourth, uh, third or fourth option on a good team, and the, hopefully, the only way we experience that is with the Suns.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and I, I really enjoy the little I, I know the. That should be the title of this episode, The Little Things, because I just keep bringing that up. But I, I enjoy watching what he does with that. It, there's there's something about the way he plays basketball that's just enjoyable to watch. And we haven't had that a lot of that uh, here in Phoenix over the, the handful uh, of the last few years. But how have we gotten this far into the show without talking about the biggest thing from this past uh, past week? that somehow this team manufactured a headline that became a, a huge deal with Jimmer for debt coming into the fold. I've never well, seen let's something have, before
1: that- we talk about Jimmer for debt. Let's do our little break. Uh, we're probably going to overdub this with a terrible ad by Greg. Um, if you haven't already heard it, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. um, or maybe it'll be the interjection of the of the girl who, who talks us up in, in a sarcastic way. So that's, that's awesome too. So um, it's one of those two things that'll happen on this break and we'll catch you on the other side. All right, we are back and we are going to talk Jimmer mania. Finally, so this, finally, we waited 25, 30 minutes into this episode to talk about Jimmer. Now, why did I wait? Because Jimmer is not an NBA player, that's why I waited. Um, yeah, because there's no, there should be nothing for us to talk about.
0: But ESPN and the Twitter sphere and everybody
1: is acting like this is the biggest freaking deal ever. The Sun social media account themselves had like eight different Jimmer posts on Friday alone.
0: When you're wandering through the desert without much to drink, you take anything that comes your way.
1: I guess. <laughs> I don't, I
0: don't I like that. Jimmermania.
1: Jimmermania.
0: Well, yeah, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That's what this is about. It's gonna be <laughs> the the remaining home games are just gonna simply be uh, about cashing in at the gate because uh, there is a a contingent of fans that 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 follow Jim around. There's a. A huge BYU contingent here in uh, in Arizona, and I guarantee, at least for that first game uh, here when he plays at Talking Stick Resort Arena, there will be a larger crowd than we've seen for a majority of the games this year just to see Jimmer.
1: And yeah, the funny so thing a, is, just a couple of Mormon families will be there. I, I
0: yeah, there'll no, be I'm... it'll be it'll be, be the largest large crowd of
1: the year, but it only has to have a couple of surnames, right?
0: Oh, and you know, honestly. <laughs> They'll uh they'll come in and they'll get to watch him in warmups and they'll see him for two and a half minutes because I don't think Troy Daniels is giving up his minutes to this guy. I'm just gonna tell you that after how we saw him play against the Kings, I think he's yeah. like, yeah, Jimmer, who I don't give a crap. I can shoot two, and I'm gonna prove it to you. And you're not taking my minutes without a fight here.
1: Imagine the lineups we're gonna see over the next week with uh with Jimmer Daniels yeah. and Booker all out there.
0: Yeah, well, I. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, Chuck. You all right? Oh, oh be-
1: how long? Okay, how many uh, pregame or how many how many media sessions will it take for Igor to talk up Jimmer's passing, like his potential to fill in the Tyler Johnson role?
0: I I think Igor's beaten down at this point. I don't think. <laughs> Why, what? What? And why would at this point? Why even try that? Unless you're being forced to. Why? Why? Nobody's buying that. Nobody. You know, like I love. I also love the. Oh, it's a two-year deal, and people are like, oh, Jimmer's going to be around. Enough. No, it's a. It's a one-year deal, or a it's a ten-game deal, deal, with with the option for the team to pick it up, which they are not going to. This is all about just putting some butts in the seats for the final few games, making a few extra dollars. Uh, around selling a few jerseys And so be it Who who the hell cares You want to line if your pockets go. he for
1: it. has transformed into a more well-rounded player And he approximates the kind of thing That a Tyler Johnson plus Troy Daniels If you put them together into a single player If he, if he somehow The 2% chance that he does that um, The Suns have him For almost free next year If he is anything like the player he has been, um, the Suns will obviously have uh, plenty of opportunity to let him go because it's a team option. There's no dollars out of their pocket.
0: Do you you really think that, uh, you know, a handful of years in the Chinese basketball league uh, all of a sudden transformed
1: Jim? yeah, He said he became a more well-rounded player over in China.
0: do you want him to say i went over there to take the money and chuck up shots so i could score 37 a game against inferior uh talent like no who of course he's gonna say that like and and james jones uh would is gonna say that about him as well like yeah no well i don't
1: the thing i the thing that i like about this signing is not that it's jim or for it's just that it's somebody who is probably better than the guys who've been running around the the country over the past um, few months. That the the Suns have been able to, you know, available to sign to ten day contracts and stuff like that. He's probably better than a G League guy, uh, and he's no. now available because the China season ended.
0: Why is he better than a G League guy? He was a G League guy before he went to he was to, an to Canada. He was a G league all-star great. He's and then he went, nice. and then he, then he went to China better and better than a was, non-all-star. I just, okay. uh, he's, he's not Juan Evans. He, you know, you know what he is. He's a guy with a pulse and they needed a guy with a pulse to fill a, a roster spot at this point. And he just happens to be a guy that's going to like I said, sell some jerseys, put some butts in the seats. That's all that. That's all this is about. And, and it almost feels like Ryan McDonough, uh, after he got the call from Robert Sarver, letting him know uh, that he was his services were no longer needed, when he went to clean out his office, he hid some kind of like folder that said roster plan, and inside, when you opened it up, it said <laughs> sign sign only high scoring shooting guards, and and like that was like the big plan, and James Jones just stumbled upon it and went. Well, let's just follow this because that's that seems to be what they've added to this entire group. Kelly Oubre, really a shooting guard that scores. Uh, Tyler Johnson, really a shooting guard that scores. Jimmer Fredette, a shooting guard that scores. Oh, and we already had Devin Booker, a shooting guard that scores. You know? Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> that could be. I, I certainly we wouldn't want like uh, Donitus M- Montiunis, Mon- right?
0: You don't, you don't have any.
1: I don't care. To talk about. Okay. I don't care he's a anymore. Who he's footer who was an NBA player, even just a couple of years ago. He's also spent the last two years in China. He had a back injury that teams didn't want to um, touch, but but certainly he's obviously healthy now from being in China. And the Spurs signed him.
0: You don't have to. You don't have to mansplain Monty Eunice to me. I know who he is. I was just saying. I don't. Who? Ca- what does it matter?
1: Explain. You
0: can. You could sign. You could sign. Me or you to Philip. Well, no, the because he roster, might have been like matter. a
1: power forward option that was better than Ray Spaulding. I mean, I, Ray Spaulding, it's I'm sorry, but he's not ready for the NBA. No, but you got him for two years at least. So
0: that's uh, not
1: guaranteed. You can't say you got him for two years, but Jimmer for debts only for ten well, games.
0: No, people people it are saying you got part. Jimmer for two years as well. So
1: yeah. we're just gonna, <laughs> it's
0: just gonna play that Jim game. Thomas. That's what you said. That. But honestly, if I'm the thing that upsets me about this, it's not the sign or make it extra a buck or two. It's the fact that you kind of screwed Troy Daniels, a guy who's been very good to you. Uh Why not if just cut total him pro. and yeah, total pro has not complained, has been the, been the soldier comes in and plays and, and gives you all effort. If, uh, if you want him to sits on the bench and is a good teammate. If, if you don't want him in the game, if you, if you were just going to sign a guy to try to take his minutes, anyways, why not just let him walk prior to the uh, prior to the March one deadline so he could sign with a team that uh, that can can actually win and go to the playoffs? He deserves well, an uh,
1: option. This is this is uh, front office who has done that with lots of mm-hmm. players. They've they've done that with Tyson Chandler. They did. They basically got Trevor Ariza to a team he wanted to be with. They let Austin Rivers go and signed with the team he wanted to be with. They, you know, they've done that. Even Juwan Evans this this week. They released Juwan Evans when he when they knew he had a sniff from the Rockets and, and the Rockets might actually play him a little bit. So I think uh the Suns have done things like that. So that so that they didn't do it for Troy Daniels is interesting. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily put it on the Suns that they wouldn't. Do that for Troy. I, I, there must be some circumstances under which Troy didn't want that to happen, or they probably would have released. Oh, Wayne Ellington's another example. So you've yeah. got half a dozen guys. The Suns have been nice enough to allow to go to another team at their convenience, and yet Troy Daniels is still on this team. So I don't think it's because the Suns are holding him hostage.
0: No, and that's fair. And uh, and I, I think that you're correct. They have done it for others, which makes it perplexing. Perplexing. I mean, maybe Troy Daniels point blank said, I don't want to do that. I'm not a mercenary. I'm here with these guys and I want to fulfill my obligation. I think he would
1: want to, he'd rather be on a playoff team this year. So I, I question, I have the same questions you do.
0: Yeah. I just don't know
1: why it didn't happen. I just don't think it's, it's that he begged and the sun said, no, that's
0: no, I don't think that's the case either. Maybe his agent, uh, put out feelers and realized there wasn't that opportunity. So he might as well. Stay here and uh, in a place That he's comfortable I don't know what the real Answer is but uh, from that 50,000 foot view uh, looking At it it just it seems Odd that was the one thing about yeah. the the Jimmer thing that that stood out To me I just great Jimmer for that gets you Some buzz the day you sign him And that's about all you're going to get out of him and Maybe maybe he'll have some crazy Scoring game because there's no doubt this Guy can still score yeah
1: predict But do a prediction What's his high score in a game? This in the last eight. Because oh. he did not score, he was zero for one from the field against Sacramento in his debut in four minutes.
0: Yeah, well, what did we see? Alec Peters dropped, what thirty nine in a final game of
1: the season? It was thirty. 36. Yeah, in the thirties, it was in the thirties.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give Jimmer a twenty five point game, probably in that one of those last two where 25. where nobody gives a crap, and even Devin Booker may go. Hey, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit out
1: this one because I don't like.
0: <laughs> There's gonna be shots for him to to be able to to take for sure. So uh, I think he's he, mid twenties.
1: What are the chances that he rebuilds his career um, in a way where Steph Curry made himself not Steph, Seth? Okay. Seth. I was gonna say, are you really trying to trying to compare no. Jim or Fredette to Steph Curry? But, um, Seth Curry came through phoenix on a 10 day barely got into any games ended up signing with I uh, he went through two or three other teams then finally found a home in dallas where they needed somebody to actually score and now he's got himself a nice career now he's back up in portland and he is a he's a difference maker for them still just offensive still just all he does is shoot he doesn't pass well he doesn't defend well uh, but he's in a good system and he, and he can score and he actually makes the shots when he puts them up like a troy daniels so, what do you think are the chances that Jimmy Fredette creates that kind of role for himself for uh, two or three more years in the NBA?
0: Not in 10 games here. It may, it may be like Seth Curry, where he decides, all right, um, I got back in the league. I, I, that taste was enough to keep me from going back to China, and I'll, I'll try to hang on with a few teams. It's all about right situation. You got to find the. The right place the, with the, with the right system that that believes in you enough to give you the minutes to to prove it.
1: I mean, that's so you really the, don't think Jimmer will revive his career um, thanks to these ten games with the Suns, eight games.
0: I, I don't know. I just I don't I just don't see it. Uh, I, but who knows? I if somehow Devin Booker winds up with a mysterious injury and they shut him down. Or something like that happens where the offense becomes just a, a total free-for-all, which I, I won't put it past it. There's a chance that But it's happens. not
1: really that hard to to actually come in and you know, you're gonna get three point attempts out there. Troy Daniels gets them when he gets minutes, assuming Jimmer is gonna get minutes. Um after his first four for eight game from behind the arc, because he has always been a good shooter. Um uh, what you know how how hard do you th- uh, yeah i i, ca- I can kind of see people's glimmer of hope rising if jimmer has a four for eight on threes game in the next two or three where they're fighting for jimmer to get tons of minutes and it is possible with all of his mania and his hype that he actually gets a two or three year deal from some other team out of this uh eight game stretch with the suns
0: well it the thing is is igor just gonna gift him the minutes like uh, it's is he going to,
1: or is he going to be told well, he, said he has Igor to give him the, the minutes? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. I, let's let's does, talk about he, that for a sec. Let's talk about that for a sec. So um, that, that's that been um, a theme going around different circles uh, within different podcasts, different social media, comment sections, stuff like that, where uh, there's been an assumption by a lot of folks that Igor was told to play Jamal Crawford this year that he wouldn't have otherwise played Jamal Crawford this year under his own volition as a head coach that he was told by somebody um, uh, that's not a coach to play Jamal Crawford all these minutes well how likely is it do you think that um, a front office person actually tells the coach and the coach follows through with it like this so consistently over 82 games
0: how likely in, uh, in that, that it the happened. NBA and Let's just say it happened it... how likely is oh. it that it happened here It's much more likely here than other NBA situations. I'll say that much for it. And uh, if you remember the Arnovitz article and a handful of others, they reference times where even Robert Sarver was the guy
1: that would go down and and tell people. But but most of those were refuted immediately by uh, saying, "Well, saying that hasn't happened for years." Okay, that
0: it gets refuted. By who? People on the payroll, people with uh, with a reason to refute it. I mean, if you look at it, it's not hard to connect the dots, right? That report comes out that they haven't even started inter- interviewing candidates. And then the next day, what well, you know, you get uh, you know, local, McCann. you know, local radio hosts start to go, well, they've started putting out feelers in the last few days. And it's like, OK, it's spin. And that's where a lot of this is, you know. It's it's spin how you react to to a story, and and they didn't categorically deny it ever happened either. That's the that's the thing. So if it happened in the past, the chances that it could happen in the future are are fairly good as well. So it, it's more likely that that situation happened here in Phoenix than other places. But I don't. Igor is a guy that looks at it and goes, and I firmly believe this is. What's the best situation to help my young guys develop? Not just give them minutes and and hope they whatever you know the hope they grow magically like I think was the plan with a couple coaches here in the past. Uh, but he he systematically seems to think about this stuff. And playing Jamal Crawford minutes uh, helped show these young guys uh, at least in theory the right way to play out there on the court. So I could see where Igor would think that it was beneficial. And when you look at who he was taking minutes from and Melton or a Kobo, it wasn't like they were lighting it up and he decided, you know, it's time to give this over the hill guy a chance to, to show that he still can play somewhat. Like it it wasn't like he was taking minutes that were earned by these other guys. Uh, Yeah. So, I think it's more likely that he just looked at Jamal Crawford and went, hey, it's a competent NBA player that I can play minutes at point guard that might be able to help my system not look like complete trash because, uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, and he was at a point where he had to prove that his offense even looked like it was capable of being an NBA offense. I mean, if, if we remember... At the end of that seventeen-game losing streak, there were reports that they were going to fire Igor. So, I mean, he—I would not put it past him doing whatever it took to prove that uh, that his offense could
1: work somewhat. Well, in my opinion, um, I just feel like yeah, Igor had uh, a challenging year, has had a very challenging season, and uh, I just don't think he was given any of the tools necessary to have had a successful. Season, I don't think he could have done better with this roster. And as soon as he got a couple of playable veterans that that actually rounded out a rotation, he was winning games. Um, so, while yes, you can you can question his substitution patterns, you can question his play calling. Um, that uh, actually it's been pretty creative out of timeouts. But other than uh, just general overall play calling and offensive scheme and everything. You can you can question a lot of things but I think you can this, the same questions can be made of every coach um I really think Igor didn't do anything to not come back next year but what do you think are the chances that he uh, that if James Jones stays in charge and they just add what I think is going to happen they're just going to add some other guy to the front office to appease um, some critics and but it'll be some other guy who isn't going to disrupt the James Jones, Tre, James Jones, Trevor Buckstein kind of uh, um, management of the team. What do you think is the likelihood that that Igor does not come back?
0: I think it's fifty-fifty. Just simply because even with James Jones, if the, if he comes back and that's the situation, Igor wasn't his guy. From everything I've heard, Igor was. Even if he was the third pick of Ryan McDonough, he was still a Ryan McDonough selection, and whoever is named full-time GM is going to want to put a stamp, their own stamp on this. And if they feel like Igor can't be that guy long-term, they have no incentive to double down on what they feel is a bad decision. Uh, you know, if if the GM that hired him, the front office that hired him, was still in place. Then yeah, you double down because you think, okay, we hired this guy, we believe in him, and uh, and there was nothing that really showed us he can't do this job. But if you're James Jones or, or anybody else that comes into the situation, your window is is small to prove that you can win. So you're not going to saddle yourself with a coach that that you don't necessarily believe in just because it's convenient. So I think it's fifty fifty that that Igor's back at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. I I, I I do like the things that he's done with developing the young guys, but I can totally see... Well, tell you what, if the Suns are going to go with an inexperienced head coach who uh, guys who never really done it before and is going to be paid league minimum, just stay with Igor. <laughs> if you're going to hire a veteran coach who's worth more than league minimum and you're actually going to pay um, mid-range on a head coaching salary, then go for it.
0: What they tried... They tried to do that with two guys last year and both of them basically gave him the finger. Right. So, so like, that's, so why, why even go down that path? Because you're, you could have every intention to hire that guy. You fire Igor and then you wind you up could, having to hire you a first could time qui- coach You anyways. could
1: quietly talk. Can't you quietly talk to other head coaches and see if they would sign a contract before you actually fire Igor.
0: I, I think that's playing with fire and in a way that, uh, that is is dangerous on numerous fronts because it could hurt your reputation even further. Uh, and with coaches, and, and you know, so I don't see it. But hey, if they do hire Kevin McHale, he's been known to tamper. Uh, he he lost draft picks for that <laughs> uh, and got in trouble for that. So maybe maybe it could. But can we t- let's talk about the names on this list that have come out? Yeah, yeah let's talk about that for a bit. Kevin McHale, which is a name, if you remember, I brought up six, seven weeks ago on this show that I thought was was the likely guy that they were going to hire. Not that I wanted it to happen, mm-hmm. but that if they were going to be forced to hire somebody with quote-unquote NBA front office experience, he was going to be uh, a guy that they looked long and hard at. And then Jim freaking Paxson. First off, I almost had a, had a damn heart attack because the headline read, McHale Paxson, uh, I inter- interviewed for Son's job or something to that extent and I thought if they're hiring John Paxson that's it I am done with this franchise a man that tortured <laughs> me for for decades you know after that 93 finals that you're going to yeah. hire him uh no I'm I'm out but it's his brother Jim which uh, again the Suns finding a way to bring in the lesser uh brother the lesser of brother. A, <laughs> a of a of a group in hopes that uh, that he helps them win, but Paxton had a terrible record as the as the Cavs GM, and and McHale, uh, like I mentioned, had the Joe Smith uh, dile- or debacle in Minnesota when he was the the president and GM, uh, where they lost first round draft picks, got fined, didn't have a great run in Houston uh, as as part of their as their head coach, and that. I Okay, great, there's experience there, but it almost feels like me to me they're just bringing up names so they can go, look, we looked into it, and well, we just feel James
1: Jones is the best. So Jim Paxson's been coming to every Suns home game uh, as, a, as, a, as the uh, Phoenix area scout for his brother's team uh, since uh, I believe for the last 10 to 15 years. I've personally been aware of him the last six years I've been covering the Suns on site. Um, He's there every game and he does scout players uh, for uh, his brother's team, Um, but he hasn't done anything else in an NBA front office over that same time. I don't know how much involved he's been in any decision-making other than just filing reports. Um, All I see is, is probably Robert Sarver saw him in the hallway one day and talked to him for two seconds. And now he's on the short list of two people that have been talked to about a permanent job. So I think uh, I think that was just a name to pull off, you know. Like if you're looking around to put names on a list, hey, uh, uh, we need a second. Okay, well, uh, let me grab Jim. Uh, you know, after the game tonight, yeah, and we'll call him number two.
0: Yeah, well, and and Jim is a very nice guy. I've I've interacted with him at, uh, around there as well, and and saw him a lot while while I was uh, covering the team. So I nice guy i don't have anything mm-hmm. personally against him other than uh who he's blood related to uh but uh that's yeah i think you're 100 percent right it's an easy name to claim yeah we discussed it with him when you're feeding names to whoever your sources or whoever uh, you are a source for in terms of in terms of this so yeah the uh, only
1: other guy who comes to almost every game is todd quinter but he got fired by Sarver, so I don't see I don't see him being added to the short list either. He's now a scout for I forget the organization, but he's at almost every son's home game.
0: Yeah, and I mean I I think if you look at it, it it probably is, and and I think I brought this up. I'm pretty sure Sarver's had a fascination with McHale for a
1: while now. So yeah, I'm uh, not really sure where that comes from either.
0: Ne- neither am I. I. Originally, I'd assumed it was a McDonough connection to Boston when I had first heard that they were talking about it. But I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at it from a player perspective, McHale has an amazing pedigree, and and it was a, in a Celtics organization that was the organization of the, of the '80s and it was around and and the '70s for that matter, and was around Red Auerbach. I mean, he has the he, he has the uh, well, and he's so- done a
1: little bit of everything. He's been coach. He's been GM. He's been um, other different positions in front of offices as well. Um, it's just he's, his name has been floated for years in different capacities related to the Suns. So there's some kind of fascination, and it probably doesn't even need to be a longer list than that. He'd probably come in as president of basketball operations, overseeing the James Jones, Trevor team group um and uh yeah then at that point maybe he does bring in a veteran coach um for to replace igor
0: uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see because my guess is it's mikhail or bust i don't think there's probably
1: it's mikhail or stay where where you know with with the guys they have without any changes
0: yeah and then the McHale the mikhail talk just covers you when the nba goes well we wanted you to hire somebody who experienced and go, yeah, we pursued Kevin McHale and he turned us down. Like, and that was I the one time everyone filmed. else was yeah. taken. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the guy we were most comfortable with coming in here with the structure we wanted, you know, whatever the, the spin is going to be uh, on that. Uh, so, and, and if I'm Kevin McHale, why do I want that, that headache? Because uh, okay. I, I won as a player. I made my money as a coach, uh, you know, I uh, if uh, why why choose this unless it's ego which I think a lot of a lot of it comes down to that oh, everybody thinks yeah. that they can be the one to change the, the fear of
1: missing out the spotlight the, you know that of course he's I think he's definitely would want to come back and do it uh, the only question is how much control he would want to have over the team
0: yeah and maybe he's at a point where he doesn't care how much control he has he just said uh, he, he wants to be back in
1: it Which makes it not a nice hiring not a good well, no. you need somebody who demands control and gets it
0: uh yes and somebody that isn't necessarily with a pre-existing relationship with, with your ownership you need to make a hire that's the right hire from a basketball perspective for the long-term vision you have to Which trust what really this person's funny. vision is Yeah, well, you have to trust whoever you hire, you have to trust their long term vision and empower them to actually make it come to fruition. That's that's good leadership is putting people in positions to succeed and 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 build a vision and execute on it. That's that's what this team needs is, is that president of basketball operations headed for an office that has that vision and is given the tools and the room to make it happen. I don't know that we're going to get there. I, I don't know how this will play out. I mean, none of us do. But is Kevin McHale the guy? I probably doubt that. Is James Jones the guy? I think we've seen this year that... I mean the guy who's going to
1: save the franchise.
0: Yeah, the guy with that vision that's going to demand enough autonomy to make it happen and, and figure it out. Now, I don't have a problem with ownership having having a seat at the table because they pay the checks, Right. It's it's when you get into you're trying to sidestep that vision that your mm-hmm. that that your front office is Short in place. Yep. That's the problem, and and that's they need a front office that can establish themselves enough and find and learn how to work with. Robert Sarver in a way that keeps him feeling he's involved, but doesn't uh, predicate on him sidetracking the entire thing and causing issues. And I think that's going to be difficult in the long run. But and I don't think Kevin McHale is likely the guy to do it. But I think if anybody's going to get the chance,
1: it's going to be him. All right. One last topic before we go for the week. Um, What do you think of the report that came out this week that Robert Sarver lined the campaign pockets of of the council people who voted for the arena deal
0: welcome to adulthood and politics and the way right. any of this works who's who's sitting there going oh my god i am so shocked that if a politician votes for something that or that uh somebody in a position of power wants that somehow it benefits the politician in the long run and the people that the politician represents that's politics. That's the way the system is set up to work. So it does not shock me. It does not bother me. Now, if we had found out that uh, somebody with the sons wrote a two million dollar check personally to a representative that they personally benefited from uh, like fine, that's that's a step beyond the way the system mm. works. But donating money and, and pledging money, to things in a person's district is the way that we've set up our political system. Robert Sarver and the Sons, as much as it pains me sometimes to to say this, just played the game. They the played the game
1: everybody else has set up. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me is the seeing that three million dollar price tag. I I just simply went, that's more than he spent on a coach in an NBA season in the last uh, eight years.
0: Yeah, the the <laughs> economics of it bothered me because yeah, yeah, yeah what kind of point guard could you have gotten for three? months? Right.
1: you know, like <laughs> can you just invest that in your team and like, not in your arena deal? Yeah, that would be like, that would have been nice.
0: Like that, in no way shocks me. And guess what? Political contributions, I'm sure you can find a way to write off. Where you can't write off uh, paying a head coach more or a uh, <laughs> or right. yeah. uh, or a point guard. So there's a tax implication there as well i mean yeah politics is dirty the business of getting big arenas funded by by taxpayers is a dirty thing but there's nothing illegal about what happened and it's it it and happens it's not, all it's over nothing
1: over. Uh, abnormal either right oh it's yeah it is
0: and let's be honest if if it was an owner that people liked they would have been like wow That's a really smart way to get it, get this deal done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all about perspective. And uh, you know, as much as us, other podcasts, media uh, rip, Robert Sarver, that perspective is a big part of it. And the fact that they've never been able to shift that perspective when it comes to him is why we look at stories like this and it becomes a big deal because, there's a perception of who, who he is, what he stands for, and stories can get skewed to feed that perception. This is just one of those. I mean, yeah, of course, if you want something done, you're going to donate money to politicians who are going to get it done for you and, and put money into the districts that they represent, I mean, or, or sections of the city that they represent. That It's not a shock to me in any way. And anybody acting like it's some massive conspiracy or bad, bad deal. Uh, Sorry. It's, it's just not. Now there's probably some shady things that were done as well, but, uh, but
1: did it cross the line? Probably not. And that's just the reality of it. All right. Thank you very much. I think we covered all the big topics for the suns this past week. This has been the solar panel. And we'll be back next week and hopefully we'll talk about a handful of wins, right? Yeah, and who needs Tim? We could do this without him, right? We can do this without Tim. Yeah. Um, and for all those listening who missed Tim and, and missed the way he runs the show. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back soon. And uh we'll we'll be back on track. We we miss him as well. All yes. right. All right, bye.
0: Later, Dave. Thanks, man.